Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. So far, it's been this entire year. We started John chapter 1 at the beginning of this year, um, along with holidays and our rotation and stuff going on. So, nine months in, and we're finishing up one book. What do you guys think about how we've been zooming in, the zoom-in approach? Yeah. Yeah, I see a head nod, a few head nods. All right, it's been all right. fun. People dig it. Okay. Anybody absolutely hate it? Think it's going way too slow? Not enough reading? Okay, cool. Right. God, I'm excited. There's some really cool stuff in here. I say this like pretty much every week because there's pretty much always cool stuff in here. Um, it's the Bible. It is the Bible. If there wasn't cool stuff in here or if it wasn't stuff to be excited about, then it'd be a pretty boring group and I don't think you guys would keep coming back each week. I wish that I could record when Ben is going through like his preparation for this um a Bible study, you guys. <laughs> this guy, he'll like search so much stuff, and then he'll go on this like bunny trail of all these things. He's like, no, wait, I gotta focus, and it's hilarious. But it's so much fun how he gets so into it, and he puts a lot of work into it, so that you guys can learn, you know, all the cool stuff the Bible says and the fun facts. And sometimes some things can be a little cheesy, but. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. I wish you all could be a fly on the wall. That's like my favorite, you know, little thing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> to see. Sometimes I, I just get so excited. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, babe, I gotta tell you about this one part. I'm like, I'm gonna be talking about this tomorrow, but I'm just, this is just so cool. I'm like, I'm just gonna give you a little sneak peek because this is just really interesting. <laughs> that was a little bit. Of, wait, did I share anything yesterday? Oh, yeah, I did. No, you did. But you shared about something else that yeah. you found cool, the king drum battle oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. So, it's not a very long last chapter. Um, I'm going to break it up a little bit. Anybody remember what happened in the last chapter? You can also look back and look at your notes. And those. Jesus is back. He's back. Doubting Thomas. We had the resurrection. We had Doubting Thomas. Yes. Poor guy. Got that nickname because of one thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so Jesus appeared, um, kind of like a little bit of a cross-reference between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of him, Jesus appearing multiple times to different people um, throughout, in one day. You know, he met with, um, he, he saw Mary at the tomb, he saw um, the other women, he saw the disciples, he was on the road to Damascus, all in one day, it was one busy day um, for Jesus as, as he was resurrected. And he chose Mary Magdalene. A woman who was previously, um, what's the word? Possessed? Had seven demons inside of her. Uh, and he chose to reveal himself first to a woman who had seven demons inside of her. And, and that's, that's our Savior. He chose Mary Magdalene to be the first one to see him resurrected. 
So we're in John 21. Does anybody want to read? We're going to start with 1 through 14. Does anybody want to take either half of that or all of it? I'll take half. Go for it. Uh, let's see. I'll do up to do the first seven. Since mm -hmm. there's 1 to 14, we'll do the split it that way. Okay. All righty. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, inhabited this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, uh, that's Nathaniel, yeah, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and caught into, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. Stopped at verse 8. Cool. Anyone want to take it from there, 8 through 14? Well, the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Um, Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went, ab went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net had it torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Cool. That's pretty sweet. Awesome. <clears throat> so what's, what's been a common theme with John and the way he writes? Has anybody picked up on how or why he shares certain things? He also said it, um, I think, at the very beginning of John. I can't remember incorrectly. Nope, I remember correctly. The Are you talking about the disciple whom Jesus loved mm -hmm. again? Yeah, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we're not really particularly sure as to why, but it, it definitely strikes me as a pretty, like, humble thing. Like, he's the only one that he doesn't mention by name. Like, he writes everybody else's name down, but he's like, I'm a disciple that Jesus loved. Like, I, some people have thought that to be like a, a, um, at, at first glance, it definitely seems like a, um, arrogant statement. Thank you. Um, but I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's a, actually a statement of humility. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, and you don't need my name. It's not a big deal. Um, the the very last part in in the previous chapter that we read in verse twenty, in, uh, chapter twenty, verse 30, 31, Purpose of this book. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him. You will have life by the power of his name. That's that hit that that's pretty tough right there. Yeah, that's that's John's whole purpose of recording everything that he recorded. He's like, I want everyone 
to be able to look at these events and look at this recording of, of what I witnessed and to believe, to believe in Jesus, believe who he is and what he did. Jesus is mentioned over 170 times just in the book of John, and believe is mentioned 100 times in the book of John. He's really getting this, he's really trying to drive it home, like, guys, believe, believe, Jesus, 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 believe, believe. Yeah, just flipping back, I kind of just skimmed the, the, all the headings that are in bold. Mm-hmm. Each, like, probably all of them, or very many of them, have Jesus in it, mm-hmm. and then there's some sort of, like, title that means something that what's going to be covered in that section underneath, kind of, it'll give you, like, a, you know, a sneak peek, or it'll give you, like, hey, I'm going to flat out say this here, here, here. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just um, mind-boggling, yeah, I guess, he the was, word. He was very particular in the, the handful of miracles that he chose to record of what Jesus did. Because he even just said, there were a lot. There were a lot that Jesus did, but these ones are written so that you continue to believe. And I think that would have been a really cool place to stop. You could have just stopped there and be like, wow, you know, that's really good. And, you know, we just saw the resurrection. That's what Jesus came here to do. And, you know, he, he fulfilled what he what he promised, what the, what the, uh, what's the word? His purpose. Mm, what the... Coming up. Prophecies. Prophecies. The other P word. <laughs> Thank you. The prophecy. He fulfilled the prophecy. He fulfilled his purpose here. He could have stopped at chapter 20, but he keeps going on. So we're going to see a little bit of a connection here in, in 21. Connecting a little bit of linking Peter from his past failures of denying Jesus. And we're going to see a connection here to him as an Acts. Very shortly after, you know, this, 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 we're at the very end of John, and then it's Acts. And we're at Pentecost. And Peter is one of the main people who is, is there and is, is bringing the gospel, sharing the gospel during Pentecost. And thousands of people get the Holy Spirit and and believe in Jesus. So without, I think chapter 21 is a little, there might be a little bit of a disconnect of like, wait, how did Peter go from this to this? So I think it's kind of cool. John, John put in chapter 21 here, included these, uh, this part of what he witnessed. So it starts off, I'm going fishing and they're like, all right, cool. We'll come too. And I think some people might look at this as like, Peter, Peter was in the wrong. Peter, what are you doing? You're, you're a disciple. What are you doing? You're going back to fishing? Jesus called you out of this. Jesus called you to be fisher of men, not of fish. What are you doing, Peter? So, you know, you could look at it that way. You could also look at it as Jesus told them to go there. And so now he's just waiting. And in Matthew 28, 7, um, Matthew 28, 10, he said, hey, that's, that's the same account of what had just happened at, right after resurrection. But he was like, hey, Go tell the guys to meet me at the Sea of Galilee. So they go there, and that's where they're at right here, at the Sea of Galilee, when this happens. So they're kind of there, like, all right, Jesus told us to come here. So we're here. And they're like, now what? I'm going to go fish. Cool. Sounds good. I don't see Jesus yet. Let's go fishing. Let's do something productive. We know how to fish. Let's fish while we're waiting on Jesus. So they go fishing. Then what happens? According to the heading, it says Jesus reinstates Peter. <laughs> Thank, like a loud the suit. And Jesus is big chilling on the shore. Yeah. They don't know that it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
He's like, hey, kiddos. I thought I always I think it's funny that he says children. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, I feel like he doesn't say that a lot. Mm. You know, he's like, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat. We've heard this before. Yeah. Right. When have we heard this? Uh, way early on, in in when he calls Peter and Simon, or Simon and uh, Andrew, right, the brothers, right. Um, when he first calls them the sons of Zebedee. Um, what, what was it about that occurrence? Uh, they hauled in a lot of fish because they hadn't been catching anything all day, and they were like, bruh, like, we, <laughs> we, we know how to fish, my guy. Um, they're, they're, not, they're not nibbling today, right? Uh, or, but they're not, they're not in the nets today. And, uh, and he's like, just, just try it. He's like, but I will do this once just, just, to, just for your sake. And then he does it, and then they, they like, break their nets and whatever. Yeah, very uh, identical story, just about, almost identical, you know, this is when, that was when Jesus first called Peter and them into following him, and they were just out there, they hadn't met Jesus before, and he's like, hey, Phil, you're not on the other side, they're like, come on, they do it, you know, they haven't called anything all day, and they do it, and they have so many, the net starts to tear, they need help, the other guys come over, and they're trying to pull all the fish in, and then Jesus says, Follow me, and they and they leave it. They just leave everything, including all the fish that they just got. They leave it, and they're like, "Okay." <laughs> so there's a huge parallel here, and it's with Simon again. It's with Peter, Simon Peter. Verse three. Uh, yeah, when he called out to them, "Have you caught any fish?" No, they replied. We we caught nothing. And they caught nothing all night interesting word about the uh, the the original Greek for nothing if you translate it it means nothing hmm. yeah, that's a free one tonight <laughs> <laughs> they call it nothing and who who recognized that it was Jesus first uh, yeah uh, it says that uh, the disciple, that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, Peter. "It is the Lord." Yeah. So John, John we, would, yeah. we would assume. Yeah. And Peter was the one who had this happen to him first, and yet he didn't go. Wait a second, I've heard this before. Mm-hmm. This has got to be Jesus. John was the first to recognize it. Look, you know, do you guys remember last chapter when John was like? Oh, you know, so, uh, like, like Peter was running to the tomb, but the one who Jesus loved got there first before him. He's like, he's like, yeah, Peter was running, but then I got there before him. I ran faster. And now he's like, yeah, I recognize it was Jesus first. I don't think he was in the area. I don't think so. I don't think he was at all. But you know, he, it... he's just kind of mentioning what happened. He's like, yeah, you know, I recognize it was him. But guess what? Peter was the fr- Peter did something about it. They're all like... John's like, hey, that's Jesus. And 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 Peter is like I'm It was more like I don't have enough on. Let me put on some extra clothing. Now I'll jump in the water, which is a little counter counterintuitive. What's that? It says Peter be like, and it's lowest throwing. Oh my gosh. Come on. <laughs> as soon as I read that verse, I was like, <laughs> Only you, Zach. But we see Peter. You know, he, he, they're working all night. 
maybe a little hot, sweaty, getting dirty, and you know, throwing the net maybe be a little easier without his tunic. So, you know, he's not like naked, but he's stripped down with a little less. So he's like, oh, I'm gonna go see the teacher. So let me put on a little clothing, be you know, have clothing, more clothing on. Uh, but he just jumps out of the boat, and the moment he realizes that's Jesus, he's told that's Jesus. He goes. Yeah. He runs after him. He's, he's gone. A hundred yards. A whole football field. That's a long way to swim. That's a bit. That's, that's a little bit to go swimming. Especially in moving water, like mm-hmm. the ocean. And this is this is like end of the night. The sun maybe is just starting to come up. It's misty. It's cloudy. So they weren't able to see him out there. But he's like, it's Jesus. It's a whole football field. I'm jumping. Who knows? Maybe he even thought, hey, there's Jesus again. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be able to walk on the water again. Let me, let me just jump out the boat and start running toward him. Nope. All right, I'm just Yeah, he, he right, went I'm for it. Running. He didn't, like, pause. He didn't, like, second-guess anything. Like, wouldn't you look at the water, like, I, I don't know about you, but it's like, if you want to go jump in something, do you want to see the bottom? Do you want to, you know, know the conditions, what you're jumping into? Or are you just going to say, ah, I'm going? <laughs> yeah. Well, he had, like, the last time that he jumped out of a boat pursuing Jesus, which is it's pretty crazy that these things happen multiple times. It's just a great yeah. <laughs> example. But the last time he jumped out of a boat pursuing Jesus... He was like, hey, call me out. If it's you, then call me out on the water and I'll come too. This time he didn't wait for Jesus to call him. He didn't wait for anything. He didn't wait to find out whether or not he could. He threw on a, a jacket and it was like, all right, let's go. Um, <laughs> and full sent it right into the water. Yeah. Awesome. What else? And it doesn't say that he swam. It doesn't. So technically, I mean, maybe it's just not recorded that he did just skip right down. But, <laughs> but it, it just says he jumped into the water. Uh, into, not onto. Okay, fair enough. All right, fair enough. <laughs> but anyway, what, what other observations? What else do you guys see going on here? Right, right up through 14. So we see some more words of Jesus after, after him just jumping into the water. I think one of the most impactful things about this passage is like, so they just saw the empty tomb, Jesus had died and risen again, and where are they? They are exactly where they were before the tomb, as if nothing had changed. They went right back to what they knew, like, they had been already kind of given their call, you know, the Great Commission basically had already kind of been given to them. And yet there they were back fishing, doing their normal life thing. And it wasn't until after he basically re- like calls them again that they like, oh, you know. So I think it's so like convicting. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they went right back. After they saw him raised after they saw him raised from the dead, they weren't running around telling people or prophesying or any of those things or healing people anymore. They literally just went back to their job. And yeah, part of that is Jesus has called them back to to that area. But yeah, they, he doesn't say anything of, you know, we were preaching and testifying and telling everyone about him, and then Jesus called them back to this area. So we don't see that. We don't know of that. But yeah, they're were, they were right back where they started. I mean, I'm not right back. It's funny how Jesus like makes him, makes him go back to get the fish. So you're saying it's about 100, what, 100 yards? Uh, yards? Yeah. And then he goes back to get the fish that they left in the boat. So it's interesting there, verse 8. It's like 
They're towing the net. Then it says, for they were not far from the shore, but then it says 100 yards. Or they were they say about 100 yards. So I'm like, okay, the shore is somewhere, and they're judging the distance that it's about 100 yards. So I'm like, they've got to log all that trip or whatever, how they're moving. And I'm like, that is uh, pretty interesting. Also here in the footnotes, it says, for the end of eight, it says, or about 90 meters. So if it takes, uh, it takes the yards there at the end of eight to um, saying 90 meters here in the bottom of my footnotes. So yeah, still mind-boggling, of course. So we see what what was the difference between what they were doing before and catching nothing to how they caught all these fish? What was the difference? They didn't argue this time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was the what was the change? Bingo. Yeah, the difference between... Oh, I thought you meant, like, the first time this happened. Oh, like, no. I was like... <laughs> no, that, that's fair, too. No, that's fair, too. They didn't argue. But the yeah. first time, he was like, hey, put it on the other side. And they're like, really? Like, we've been doing this all night. He's like, do it. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we got the losers. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the, the only difference we see is Jesus told them to do it. The only difference between what they've been doing repeatedly, repetitively, all night long... And had zero results. And then Jesus says, do it this way. And they're like, oh, okay. There's a big difference there. There's a big result. The result was the difference. Now it's the difference between doing it on their own versus doing it with God. And the difference between their failure and their success was the width of the boat. That was it. Only because Jesus said so. The difference between zero fish in an entire night's work and 153 fish in a matter of seconds, a few feet. Yeah. About seven and a half feet, approximately, they're saying that the boat might be. Based off of other contacts, not what's right here. Seven and a half feet. That's the difference between we're catching zero fish here for who knows, the past 10 hours, zero fish. Just like, hey, try seven and a half feet to the left. They're like, hmm. 153 fish. I don't even think I could last an hour fishing. So, 10 hours. Imagine that. Imagine all those hours of nothing. Like, if you're going an hour and you, you make it 30 minutes without anything, Jeez. I'm done. Imagine 30 minutes and you've caught a fish or two. You're like, hey, this is kind of cool. But an entire night of nothing. And these are professional fishermen. These are what these people do. There would be a difference to fish just for fun or to fish because you actually need to. I mean, if you go out your your pole and you got your bait, you know all the jazz, you got all that, and you're just there, whatever. And you're like, well, nothing's biting, whatever, you know. You're like, do you give up? And you're like, you get that one thing. You're like, oh hey, I get something. And you're like, well, is this it? You know. So you're like, you know, you're not giving up, or you're not, you're on your own. You don't have anyone near with you, or, and you're like, hey, maybe we could do it this way. But, you know, I I like in verse seven these three words. Uh, when the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. <laughs> because how how else could this thing be happening that couldn't or shouldn't or wouldn't be happening otherwise other than it's the Lord. 
That's their explanation. They can't see him. He's a hundred yards away. He's at the other end of a football field. It's misty. It's the daylight is hardly even up, if at all. And all they heard was, "Did you catch anything?" No. Throw it on the other side. All right. <gasps> it's the Lord. <laughs> they, they don't see him, right? Remember last week when Zach was turned around, eyes closed that way, and I said, "Zach, who who stood up behind you?" I don't know. Okay, this person call out his name, Zachary. Oh, that's Yana, right? Not because she said, "Hey, it's Yana," no, but because of who she was calling him, who who she's saying that he is, calling his name, and they had seen this before. Especially Peter. But to know, even if they hadn't seen that specific miracle themselves, they didn't witness it, they probably heard of it. And if they didn't, they should know at this point in time, the only way this could be happening is, it's the Lord. And I think sometimes, the only explanation we have of some things we see in our lives is, it's the Lord. Yeah, and hopefully we recognize that when it is, and not just like, huh, that's cool, I'm glad it worked out this way. No, no. it's the Lord. So, you said the only difference, can you repeat that part again? What were you saying the only difference is? The difference between their failure and their success was the width of the boat. Only because Jesus said so. Because they're, they're casting it over here, and he says, cast it on the other side of the boat. Okay. That's the difference between their failure and their success. The width of the boat from where they're casting the net. But it's not the distance that matters. It's, it's solely, it's the Lord. The obedience. The obedience. Because Jesus said so. Makes you wonder. How often is God here with us and we don't realize it? Any of the time that we don't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't wrong. Omnipresence. Coming in clutch. <laughs> And these fishermen just had a, a carpenter tell them how to catch a bunch of fish. Yeah, the carpenter. carpenter also made all the fish. <laughs> this account illustrates the principle that we should never be afraid to change our method as long as it's in the direction of Jesus trying something, you're trying something, it's not working, you're trying it on your own, things just aren't going the way they should be or you want them to, and just aren't going right. Don't be afraid to change your method as long as it's in the direction of Jesus. I just love how Peter didn't care about what happened next. Like, sorry to go backwards, but like, there are other people, this is probably his boat. Hmm. <laughs> He does not care what happens <laughs> yep. to his boat, oh. what happens to his new 153-ish fish. He has no idea how many there are at this point in time. He's just like, all right, uh, I'm a bounce, guys. You do you do like that. Um, but he, he's just like, let's see, let's do this thing. Yep. He, doesn't, he doesn't care at that point in time because that's how, how much he cares. He just leaves everything. Um, it reminds me of that passage where 
the the guy is trying to find excuses not to follow Jesus, and he's like, "Well, my dad just died," and he's like, "Well, let the dead bury themselves, right?" Mm-hmm. And uh, and the the purpose being like, you have to you have to leave everything, and <laughs> and Peter, I know that he went back to it and everything like that, but he was ready to put it down at a moment's notice, just at the knowledge that Jesus is sitting. 300 meters away. He can't wait. He can't wait to row back. He can't wait to, <laughs> to do anything else. No. He just no. has to get there as fast as possible. Which is arguably not like jumping in the water. Right, right? <laughs> you would think. think. Yeah, but if you really think about it, what the motion water coaster that the, they're going through, you know, they saw their, their leader being crucified on the cross and they appeared to, he appeared to them again mm-hmm. and it's like, they must be like confused, tired, lost, you know, and so they go, uh, Peter goes out and fish, but um, I'm assuming because that's all he knows what to do, that's all he can think of, he want to get like, probably get distracted from everything that, you know, so, like, I can't even imagine they're not even, like, really trying to fish, they're just like, going through the motions because, because of everything that's been going on. Yeah, there's been a lot going on. A lot has happened in the last few days for them. I have a question to you guys. Before they threw their nets to the other side of the boat, why did they do it? Why did they throw their nets on the other side of the boat? Because some guy on the shore told them to. (laughs) Did they know who it was at that point? No. No. It doesn't say anything. They didn't know who it was. Until they saw the results. <laughs> so with that, I want, I want to read this. I, I found this, and I really liked how it was phrased. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. Jesus made a strange suggestion to his disciples. There was no logical reason why fishing in the morning light would be better than fishing at night. There was no reason why fishing on one side of the boat would be better than the other side. It wasn't even directly a test of trust in Jesus because they did not know it was him until the fish were caught. This was probably a test, all right, here's, here's the key point. This was probably a test of their ability to find the guidance of God in s- small and unsuspected ways, such as a stranger calling out fishing instructions from the shore. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. It's not even, throwing that on the other side. Okay, God. I hear you, Jesus. I'm going to do it because you say so. No, it's just a yeah. random person yeah. a football field away that they don't even know who it is. All they know is this person asked them if they had caught anything, and they told them the truth. No, we didn't catch anything. And they had to humble themselves. Nope. Yeah, we failed. Let's do it. We got nothing, guys. We got nothing, dude. All right, throw it over there. Right? You ever... There could be that voice from anywhere. And there's a lot of voices out there. Social media, other people, yeah. friends, society, co-workers, family, everybody. There's a lot of voices out there. But they heard the guidance of God in a small and unsuspected way. They didn't know who it was. But they listened. I think that's a, I think that's a key thing that we can learn from of being able to detect, you know, that's that still small voice. Being able to detect, is this God? Is that God? Well, if I try it this way, am I being obedient? Am I listening? Is this something God would say? If he's saying, if I hear this voice saying, 
and you should go over and steal that person's bike because you want it and you've been wanting it for a long time and you don't have the money for it. God, I think that's you. No, that's that's no. not something God would say. That's not what, what this is saying of test your ability to, to find guidance of God in small respective ways. No. But if it's, you know, whatever it might be. Any other thoughts, comments, questions, observations? I think you said it well with, like, listening. Like, if we don't listen to that voice or that, like, guidance thing, and we just go our own intuition or go our own, like, oh, I think we can do it this way, and we're not listening to what's being said or what's being guided to us, then we're led astray, we're led the wrong way, we're led to do wrong things, and if we, if we just took that, say, pause or say that, you know, hey, maybe I really shouldn't do that, let me listen to what is actually being told to do and do it right and gain those results. Yeah. So I think that's important. Is, and anybody? Oh, yes. No. Well, yes. I you can go. Okay. I'm I'm speaking to myself when I'm about what I'm about to say. I'm sure probably some other people in this room have felt the same way. Do you ever have somebody tell you how to do something that you knew how to do far better than them? An example for me is being in catering and food and beverage. You know, I I know how to set up food, display it properly, things of this sort, and. You know, I, I've, say for example, I'm, I'm working an event and there's this new person, this new whatever, maybe it was someone from not even working for me and they say, hey, you should move that over there. All right, do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm the catering manager. I'm putting this here and then this here. Who are you to tell me how to do my job, right? <laughs> or, or fill in the blank for whatever, right? Maybe you're, you're at work and you're, you're working with wood and someone says, Hey, you actually shouldn't use that to cut that. You should actually do it like this. You'd be like, I know how to cut wood. Or, hey, you're, you're ringing people up the wrong way. Actually, you should change your membership this way. Or, hey, actually, you should, you should cook your food this way. Um, I know what I'm doing. Hey, you shouldn't load the passengers that way. What do you, you should do this first. Hey, you shouldn't scan a person like that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, put in numbers in this way. You should be doing this form first or whatever. Like, like I know what I'm doing. I know how to do my job. Just let me do, I know what I'm doing. Hey, it's okay. We're fishermen. We're good, dude. We don't know who you are. We know how to fish. We've been trying all night. It hasn't worked. It's not going to work. It's just a, a crappy night. It just sucked. Thanks, dude. <laughs> right? That, that, Probably would have been how I, if I was on the boat, be like, dude, who is this random guy out there? Like, we haven't caught him. There are no fish in the sea. They're all gone. But instead, they tried. Yeah. Yeah. If we're not careful, like, in a certain situation, like you said, work, job, whatever, around people, you know, you'll snap or say something you'll regret or you'll, yeah. you know say that, oh, yeah, that really shouldn't have came out, and then it's going to be like, okay, you got to pause, you really got to step back up before it gets any further, and you're like, hey, I need to forgive right now, I need to address this, fix this, and listen and say, hey, if they are trying to say something that can benefit you, don't, like, shoot it down, don't, like, um, say, oh, I'm, you know, going to say, that I, I know what I'm doing, blah, 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 mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Jack, Um. I have two things for me. Verse 9, it says, When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. It's like, who cooked the breakfast? Did Jesus, like, 
serve them in that way already. Like, ha- it doesn't say Mary's there. It doesn't say Martha's there. It doesn't say anything about who they is. But just the idea of who Jesus, we saw him before, like, during the Last Supper and stuff, cleaning the disciples' feet, washing their feet. The idea that he would have made them breakfast or prepared that as well, for me, just speaks again to the servant's nature of, like, the Lord that we serve. And again, it doesn't explicitly say who or what or what it is, but I like to think that that is how the events played out. And then Jesus says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So, like, it to me is like he's already in that mode of even preparing a meal for them and, and being ready to serve them again. It's just really cool. Um, and then to Hannah's point, which she mentioned earlier about Peter being right back where they started and essentially them being right back where they started. It's so funny, I think, for me because I've, I've been going through this Bible plan on new version about fulfilling your purpose because purpose is something that I'm currently in the middle of struggling with. Well, not in the middle. It's just been a struggle. But um, the very first day, it talks about, like, even as the Father has sent me, I send you, and that concept. And it and it brought up that exact same, this exact story. And I'm just going to read a little bit, if you don't Go mind. But it says, how do we find the purpose that God has for us? If the desires that we have are given to us by God, then is God's purpose found in our desires? Is it found in the skills and the aptitude we're born with? In that case, would simply developing ourselves to the full potential that God has put in us be the way that we fulfill God's purpose for our life? The problem with that is that it focuses on self rather than God. We believe and trust that God has given abilities that he will use according to his plan. While doing what comes naturally to me and flows from life is perfectly acceptable to God, I need to be ready to move out of my comfort zone when God asks me to. After the crucifixion of Jesus, Peter went back to fishing in John 21. Jesus did not fault him for that, but Jesus called him to leave it all for the work God had called him to do. In the same way, we should be willing to give up whatever we're doing to respond to the call of God when it comes, since our life here is not about what we want, but what God wants us to do. So just brought it back again. Like awesome. it's easy to look at Peter and be like, "Wow, you didn't grow at all," or like, and even acknowledging that you did make strides, you were with Jesus, you learned, like you grew, but you still went back to what you know. Yeah. That like looking at that, Jesus doesn't necessarily fault us for that, or say, you know, you're wrong for like doing what you're good at or doing what comes naturally to you. But if he's called you to something else, you have a responsibility and an obligation then to take up that call and be like, okay. And it was just really encouraging and like really cool for me to see that come back of like, yeah, I might not be where I want to be or where I intend to be. I might be doing something I'm good at, but if God calls me to something else, then I have like, there is a layer and an extra move that I'm supposed to take at that point. So it was really cool. I do wonder if there was a passing thought in Peter's mind. Not that was this, is this Jesus? But, hey, remember that last time that you listened to a random stranger on the shore and what happened? Wouldn't that be crazy again? And then, and then yeah, the call yeah. back. That just, it's just kind of funny to me. Um, this next thought isn't um, in the Bible. Um, it's just 
There, there are many thoughts about the number 153 fish. Um, I looked into it and I heard this one thing. I was like, that's interesting. Let me look into this. And there are lots of thoughts about the numbers, the math. The, Zach, you'd probably find this most interesting item. Anybody else here besides me? Um, all these other things. Of, of 100 represents this. 50 represents this. And 3 represents this. The Trinity and this and Israel. And, you know, all these people are doing, oh, 153 is the sum of 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 up through 17. All different kinds of thoughts. Um, one other thought was, is that at the time, there were thought to have been only 153 species of fish in the world. So them catching the 153 fish was signifying of every class, every, every person, you know, being caught, like catching the gospel, like every single person being brought into the gospel. Um, but again, that's all just thoughts and um, observation, observations being made toward that. That's not in the Bible. All we know is what 153 is, is that's how many fish they caught. That's so, a crap ton of fish. It's a lot of fish. Like, <laughs> that's a lot of fish. It says large fish, mm -hmm. too. These aren't, these aren't itty-bitty fish. Yeah, so they're thinking several pounds each. That's a few hundred pounds of fish. Anyway. In a very tiny boat. Um, but yeah, it, you know, again, what you just said, Jackie, we see the servanthood of Jesus here. We saw the servanthood of him before, you know, during his ministry. We saw it at the very end, just a few days ago, as he's washing people's feet, the day before he's going to be crucified. We see his servanthood as he's on the cross saying, God, forgive them. Hey, guys, take care of my mother. Lord, forgive them. And then we see the servanthood even after his resurrection. Hey, guys, make you some breakfast. Got a nice warm fire here. But he doesn't just say, here's some breakfast. He says, uh, where is it at? I don't think he says what you're thinking he says until the next passage. But he came and takes the bread. Uh, he has them. Oh, no. Then Jesus served them. Where did I read it? Verse 15. Maybe? Or are you talking about verse 15? Um, Jesus asking them to bring the fish that they caught. That's 10. Oh, yeah. There it is. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Jesus isn't just like, here's food. He's inviting them into the work, inviting them in. Not just, hey, here you go, but hey, look, I'm, I'm preparing away. I've got the fire. I'm starting you off with some fish. Now you bring what you have, and we're gonna, we'll have even more fish together. All right. The next part we're going to read is 15 through 17. Who wants to take that? Very short. Who wants it? I'll take it. Go for it. I'll pull it back up again. Back at John, right? Yep. John 21, 15 through 17. Flippy flip. Alright, here we go. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Keep going or stop? You can stop there. Okay. What do you guys think? I think this part here, he's like 
again, kind of like hammering it down, laying it down. He's like, you know, asking all the questions, and he says it the same way. Simon, son of John, that's how he addresses him. Do you love me more than these? So he, he always asks that question, and then Jesus will respond with, you know, with some request he has. Feed the lambs, take care of the sheep, and what was the last one? Uh, he says feed the sheep. So I think he's really, again, like the hammer kind of like saying, you know, asking him, like affirming and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. What else? I mean, um, Peter denied him three times and he also asked him three times to yeah. love him. You get 21 gun points. Yes, my first time ever. That is great observations. Yes. Just a few chapters ago, and I'll take it even a step further, Peter was standing by the charcoal fire when he denied Jesus three times. Three times. Publicly denied Jesus verbally three times. Now, where is he standing next to? Charcoal fire, yet again, and publicly affirming his love for Jesus three times. It's so beautiful, the redemption opportunity that Jesus presents to him. Right? And he doesn't, Jesus doesn't ask Peter, are you sorry? Will you promise to never do that again? No. He challenges Peter to love. I think that the three is so cool, the, the, the symbolism and hey, I denied you three times, now I get to publicly affirm my love for you three times to you, to your face. Peter got hurt by it. Mm-hmm. So, why do you guys think Peter got hurt by it? It took the three times, or it just, he was, I don't know if he had doubt, or if he had, like, he was really trying to get a solid answer, or a solid, like, assurance out of, out of him, and he was like, it took him, like, the three times, I always think of three, like, you know, three strikes, or you think of, you know, third time's a charm, or you think of, you know, those things that involve three, and you're mm-hmm. like, you know, if you do all the, if you, you know, try it one way, or first don't succeed, you know, that kind of stuff, so that's where it, he picks that number, and it really, um, is needing, to, and he wonders how many, why it takes him to three, yeah. and when he did do it on the first or the second. I think it's for guilt, because he knows that he denied Jesus three times, so, yeah. after he has to say it three times again, he's like, he hurt, because he knows what Jesus is doing. Yeah. Who, how, who is Jesus asking these questions to? Look, look at the word that Jesus is, the name that Jesus is calling him. Simon, son of John. Simon, son of John. And then who does John report that? Um, who does John, the author, report, responds? Jesus said, or yes, Lord. Peter. Oh, whatever, Peter, that's right. Yeah. Simon, Peter. son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. Simon, do you love me? And then Peter said yes. Simon, do you love me? And Peter said yes. What's with Simon? What's with Peter? Why is Jesus calling him Simon? And then John is saying that Peter responded. I'm so bad with names in the Bible, but was he one of the people that Jesus changed his name mm-hmm. for some reason? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's saying, 
His name was, yeah, Simon and Peter, one of the same, Simon Peter. Um, he, he called him saying, yeah, you're, you're going to be a rock. You're going to be the rock in which you're going to spread my word. You're going to spread the gospel, which is what the name Peter means. But he's not, Jesus isn't addressing him as Peter. He's not addressing him as, hey, rock, do you love me? He's like, call him by his, his prior name. He's, he's trying to start this, it's like he's starting it over again. Like, hey, let's try this again from the start. Because right now you're not the rock. You're not a rock, Peter. Simon, right now I'm asking you, Simon, son of John, do you love me? So in, does anybody know how many words for love there are in Greek? The the three main ones we're gonna look at, these are kinda of like the three most commonly used ones, are Eros, Phileo, and Agape. You guys may have heard some or all of those. Um, the, these are three kind of loves that are mentioned in the Bible most frequently. So Eros, that's romantic love. That's love reserved for marriage in the Bible. So I Eros Yana, that's romantic love. There's Phileo, brotherly love. That's the kind of love most Christians have for each other in the Bible as well. Describes the kind of bond seen among standing friendships. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia translates to the city of brotherly love. Yeah, it's Phileo. not very brotherly loving, mm. in case you were wondering. And then there's agape. This is the highest form of love. This is God's love. It's unconditional. 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 There's no B in there. Unconditional. I like that. Unconditional. I'm not able to put conditional. Learn something tonight. It's that. I'm not mad at it. That's not a word. It is not. I'm not mad at it. Unconditional. Oh. Let's try it again. Agape is God's love. It's unconditional. There you go. Highest form of love. So, in this context, in those three questions, we see. We see phileo and agape. If you're looking at the original Greek, how this was written, how John wrote it, of John's account of how this went down, this is how it would go. Remember, phileo, brotherly love. Hey, I have phileo for you guys. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And, and with Yana, I have eros. That's, that's a deeper love. And with God, God's love to us is unconditional would arrows have something to do with an arrow? No. Uh, I'm thinking arrow. of it because, <laughs> I, like we said the other one, I was like, it's got to have some sort of reference. If it does, it does. So, it does, it did. But. Here's how this conversation went. So follow along. This is 15, 16, 17. Uh, they had breakfast. Simon, son of John. Simon, son of John. Do you love agape me? Do you have unconditional love for me? Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I love you like a brother. So God's like, do you have unconditional love for me? Peter's like, I love you like a brother. And then God says again, Simon, son of John, do you love agape me unconditionally? And he responds, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo. You know I love you like a brother. The third time, pay attention to the change. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? And he was hurt. Yeah. Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo. I, I love you like a brother. 
you hear the change? Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you see the hurt? Do you see him asking? And Peter's being honest, right? He's not lying. He's, 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 he's telling Jesus how it is. Jesus is like, do you love me unconditionally? He's like, I love you like a brother. Simon, do you love me unconditionally? Jesus, I love you like a brother. Simon, do you love me like a brother? God, Jesus, you know I love you like a brother. You know all things. And so, so you can almost see the hurt now a little bit more. It's like a little more tangible. I think you can hear it too. If you if, if you were in front of him and you were hearing the voice or if, the way you conveyed it, it was like you could tell there's he's hurt deep down. Yeah. And you're like, if you hear that out of him saying it or see his facial reaction, see his, you know, the way he... Um, wrote it and um, how we read it ourselves we're like man you have it hit on the third time it's said mm-hmm. is pretty powerful there and I think by the third time a lot's going through his mind of that whole oh man this is, this is the third time he's asking me just like I denied him three times like, oh he's not asking me the same question anymore he's asking me in a different way here's a here's a non-scriptural thought of uh, I found this to go along with with that context of phileo versus Agape love there. Perhaps. Perhaps this is what Jesus was thinking. The behind the the words behind the words. Perhaps. This is not in the Bible. Then Peter, why are you here? Why are we back on this same shore? By these same nets, having this same conversation. Wasn't it obvious then and isn't it obvious now that if I want fish, I can get fish? What I need, Peter, are disciples. I need them forever. I need someone to feed my sheep and save my lambs. I need someone to preach my gospel and defend my faith. I need someone who loves me, truly, truly loves me, and loves what our Father in Heaven has commissioned me to do. Ours is not a feeble message. It's not a fleeting task. It's not hapless. It's not hopeless. It's not to be consigned to the ash heap of history it's the work of the almighty god it's to change the world so peter for the second and presumably last time i'm asking you to leave all this leave the fishing go and teach and testify labor and serve loyally until the day in which they'll do exactly what they did to me perhaps that's what jesus was thinking when he's asking him this. Why do you think he says lambs the first time and sheep the second two times? They are two different words. I was pondering that too. It's a good question. I'm not sure. What do you think? I have no idea. I'm just asking a question. Looking into the the Greek perhaps. Yeah. And so each time he, he... Peter responds, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Jesus is saying, there's things he wants. Feed my lamb. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. What does that mean? What did that mean then? What does that mean now to us? Take care of his followers. Take care of his followers. Jesus is the shepherd. The lambs and the sheep are the ones that he shepherds, that he's having follow him, that he's taking care of, leading them to pastures, to green pastures, making them drink the water so they stay hydrated. 
What does that mean today? In 2022. If Jesus was saying these exact words to us, what does that look like? Take care of us. Make sure we're fed. Make sure we're cared for. Make sure we're blessed. Make sure we're on the uh, the good and true path. Like we're led the right way and not led down the, the wrong trail, wrong path, wrong doings. Ourselves. Ourselves. Keeping us healthy. Keeping us safe. You know, all that kind of stuff. If, if we're Peter, if Jesus is saying, then that. Feed my sheep. Take care of my take care of my lambs. Feed my lambs. What is he saying? What are he telling you to do? Do do the do the things I've commanded you to do or or um oh uh I lost it. I had it. Darn. Jackie, take care of my sheep. Kayla, feed my lambs. Christian, take care of my sheep. <laughs> What's he saying? Ourselves. Oh, everybody. Everybody. Tell everybody. Yeah. What about people in your life? What about Samaritans? Yep. Those two. Gentiles, Jews, everybody. What about people who look at Samaritans? Yep. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what, about, what about people who something similar but then upon further review just in case you're wondering uh it's pretty much that word is pretty much exclusively used by john now i know some people when they were writing these kind of made up words themselves but um it is apparently two times refers to a lamb like a little sheep and then the other 28 times that it's used it refers to jesus Huh. So I have no idea what that means, but we need some further review. But just in sure. case you were wondering. Yeah. Pod review. Last bit, 18 through 25. This is the end of John. Who wants to take it? Who wants to finish it? Sure. Go for it. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you want. you wanted to go. But when you are old... You will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, Follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, What about him, Lord? Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and was recorded them here. 
and we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Awesome. Wow. That's cool. That is super cool. I just love the way that he says that. (laughs) Jesus did not say that I was going to live forever, guys. (laughs) Yes, thank you. A lot to unpack, and he kind of sums it up really well there. Um, then asking those questions, if I want him to remain alive till I return, what is that to you? And I think, I don't know if it says what it is to you again. Oh, yeah, it does. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So kind of more questions that he's laying us, laying down at our at our feet, and we need to, you know, take those things that he's, that he's asking us, and it's like a challenge. It's like a... You know, it wants us to um, really think about it and not you say, oh, it goes out one ear, it goes in the other. You know. Yeah. Jesus is just saying, don't worry about others and you you follow me. I'm yeah. telling you to follow me, follow me. Don't mm-hmm. worry about the others around you. You got it. Exactly. Yeah, I was thinking, like, how relatable is verse 21? Like, Lord, what about him? Mm-hmm. Like, we often, like, just jump straight to the comparing ourselves to others and what we've done versus what they have done. I was like, just focus on, well, God, but just focus on what God wants you to do, and it doesn't matter. But the rest of work itself out. So many times we go straight to the comparison. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of the laborers in the vineyard in Matthew 20. Mm-hmm. I just pulled it up where he says, uh, where Jesus talks about the um, the people that he brings in at you know, 6 a.m. He goes out and gets some people. He's like, hey, I need some workers in my, in my uh, vineyard. And then he goes back out at like 9 a.m. and then 11 a.m. and then 3 p.m. and then 4 p.m. before they're going to end the day at 5 or 6 p.m., right? Uh, and then, and he had said he was going to give uh, the people that started earlier, like one day's wages or whatever, right? So he gives one day's wages to the people that have been there the whole day, and he gives one day's wages to people that were only there for a couple hours, and then the people that have been there the whole day were like, what gives, bro? And uh, he's like, why does it matter what he got? Did you not get what we agreed upon? Mm-hmm. Right? It it just kind of comes back to, hey, stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their comparison was why they were getting jealous. Like, hey, man, why are they getting the same amount of me? Like, I gave you exactly what I told you I would give you. Like, how does my generosity to somebody else affect you? I gave you exactly what we agreed upon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just paints such a vivid picture in my mind of. Look what just happened with Peter. He he denied that he knew Jesus three times the other day. And now, he just had the chance of a lifetime of redemption from his Savior to give him the chance to say to his face, I love you, I love you, I love you. And now, he's saying what he had told him already years ago, follow me. And instead of his response being, yes, or thank you for another chance, or I'll do it right this time. He goes, follow me. And he goes, what about that guy? Huh? Jesus is like, you, you follow me. I'm not talking to him. I'm talking to you. You follow me. And that's what he says. 19, he's like, follow me. And he's like, but what? But, 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 but what about that guy? And then in, in 22, he says, you follow me. As for you, follow me. 
We, I think Peter represents most of us. We find it easy to deflect any personal challenge from Jesus by wondering and even worrying about what other disciples are doing or what Jesus may require from them. God, you want me to do what? Yeah. What about those people? They aren't doing that. Why do you want me to go help this person? Why do you want me to go love this unlovable person? What are these guys doing? What are they doing? God, did you see what they just did? Uh-uh. You. You follow me. I'm not talking to them right now. I'm talking to you. You follow me. You. Yeah. It really hammers in the end. Us. Not anyone else. That's yeah. not what you said. Yeah. And again, I, I don't think he's reprimanding them. But I think he's he's telling it like it is. He's like, look, if 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 I want him to, to live, if I want him to die, if I want him to do this, if I don't want him, what is it to you? Yeah. You worry about you? Final thoughts? Final questions? Final observations? Oh, sorry. 18. What about 18? He even tells us in verse verse 19 about what, what that meant. Jesus is like, hey, Peter, I'll tell you the truth. When you're young, you'll be able to do what you want. You can dress yourself, go where you want to go. But when you're old, you'll find you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And then in 19, it says, this is talking about the kind of death that he'll glorify God, which is what? Anybody know how Peter died? Uh, I think the... I don't know that we have full confirmation of it, but the idea is that he was crucified upside down. Mm. Yeah. He was crucified just like Jesus, but he was like, I'm not worried to die in the same way Jesus died. Crucify me upside down. Yeah. I, I don't think that's... Uh, there's there's no in the Bible that says that, but like that's the idea, at least. Yeah. As far as I'm aware. Mm. I'll double check. I was thinking there was, but... It could, it could also be, there's a lot of other context and evidence of things, not in the Bible, but from historical people who were around at that time. Um, but I don't recall exactly if that's in the Bible or not, but, but that's what we know of how he died. And that's what Jesus is saying, that he's going to die in that way. How about that for a pep talk? Right before he says, hey, follow me. Yeah. Want to try this again? You're going to die on the cross like I did. You're going to follow me again? Uh, what about him? Can you die on the cross? Alright. Final chance for anything. In this part, we're in John 21, we're in John 1 through 21. Cool! <laughs> Good stuff, guys. I've enjoyed this. There's, there's, sorry. Verse 24. This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has reported them here. And we know that this account of these things is accurate. John says, you're not lying. Yeah. <laughs> and 
we see we see these are personal accounts, right? You know, people who don't believe who try to like make the Bible look false, like oh, the Bible contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. This, these are eyewitness accounts, and the fact that a fisherman puts in detail like the, the net didn't even tear when 153 fish were coming up. I guess an as an observation and a fisherman's perspective. Hey man, like they didn't just catch all these fish. They caught all these fish and the net didn't even tear. Because in Luke 4, when they were catching all these fish, the net tore. Yeah. And the boat was starting to sink. Those are observations made by fishermen. The net was tearing. Now, in John 21, the net didn't even tear. John's like, I'm telling you these things. They're accurate. And he did a whole lot of other stuff, but like there's not even enough books in the world to contain everything that he did in these few short years that he was doing his public testimony. Try to keep the Bible closed. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Alright, I've enjoyed this, guys. I think it's really cool. <laughs> Alright, well, I'll close this out and uh, we'll split for a little bit. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for John's account of your gospel. We thank you for Matthews and Marks and Luke's as well and, and we thank you um, that we that we have your word that that's all guided it's all spirit-led context it's all spirit-led testimony of who you are God, we thank you for these accounts written down and recorded in history so that we can know who you are we've never seen you but yet we've dedicated our life to you which is just an absolutely crazy ridiculous thing that we're doing but we're betting it all on you we're betting our life on earth that we'll have 90 180 however many years that we have on this earth given to you so that we can have you as well for eternity god it's a risky bet it's a risky gamble but we know who it's who we're counting on god we know that your word is true we know that you are true thank you for your word and that uh, all that we could share and read and learn about you here god may our every day be as if jesus is asking to use our boat our workspace, involvement in our livelihood. May we recognize you, follow your lead, and let your supernatural power affect us. Let us go where you tell us to go. Let us stay where you tell us to stay. Let us be able to hear your voice, be able to discern, discern whether it's something with you or not, even if it's coming from another person. We don't know who it is. Could be your voice speaking through them. Help us to detect that and to bring it all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.